Well, when I grew up, I, I remember going with my family to my parents' uh, stomping grounds. They grew, both grew up in Oklahoma. And in Oklahoma, they have uh, anywhere off the main roads, there are a lot of dirt roads. And they're not normal dirt roads. In Oklahoma, they are these red dirt roads. And as you drive by those uh, farms, um, and it's not crop farms out there, it's, I guess, all cattle and stuff like that. When you drive by those cattle ponds, they are all super muddy. It's just, Oklahoma was just a, a muddy place. <laughs> There's lots of red dirt and mud. And I, that must be why my dad, anytime something was unclear, he had a saying. He would always say, well, that's about clear as mud. <laughs> that's as clear as mud. And so I grew up hearing that, and it must have come from all of that Oklahoma red dirt and those muddy uh, cow ponds. Um, so how do we get that muddy water cleared up? Well, I guess there's a couple ways. One way would be just to let that, uh, that sediment settle out of that water and down to the bottom of the pond. Um, it could do that. But if that water is settling like that, it's also stagnant, which means there's going to be a lot of algae that grows, and not long uh, it's going to be all cloudy again, and you're not going to be able to see through it again. Really, I guess the best way to get muddy water clear is if you allow um, something, a, a steady stream of clean, fresh water to go through that, then it's going to begin to clear up. The more water that flows through it, the clean water, it's going to get more clear and clean. Now, for us at Stuttgart Harvest Church, over the past months, maybe even years, as I have been analyzing this, I have kind of allowed us to slowly get just a little bit muddy in, in what we're looking at. And it kind of makes it difficult for us as a church to see things clearly if I allow things to get a little bit muddy. Because honestly, sometimes I have found myself muddy. And by muddy, I'm not meaning like... Uh, we're, we're, we're dealing with a, a big sin problem. No, I, I'm talking about our vision and what we see and where we're headed. That, for me, even at times over the past few years, has been a little bit muddy, a little bit unclear. There have been moments of great clarity, but on a day-to-day -day basis, sometimes that has been unclear. And when a church body doesn't know exactly what direction they're heading in or where they're going, really then any direction will do. You can take an army of people and they can begin to scatter and each begin choosing their own direction. And they can be good directions, but choosing their own. And we can see the great potential of concentrated power begin to become just a series of light scattered showers. And, well, what was looking out and what was looking beyond and what was growing healthy begins to slowly, without even knowing it, begins to turn in and looking in. And slowly it becomes stagnant. You see, without consistent clear direction, which is one of my major jobs, we begin to forget who we are as a people, and we begin to forget what we are about. I've been so excited about this series because today we are going to begin where we were. We're going to look that way. 
You see, just a few years ago, we started Stuttgart Harvest Church, and we began with a steady stream of clear water, clear vision every week. And now, as we are getting started again in light of COVID-19, as we are getting ready to relaunch back into God's purpose that he has for us, I'm excited about this series. And those of us who are in the theater right now, and those of us who are watching from home right now, live, online, we are inviting each of you here and online, we're inviting you to come along with us. We know that not everyone will choose to do that, but everyone is invited. Some will choose to fall away and go other directions, but those of you who choose to join us in person and also in person at home, well, frankly, will never be the same. Yeah, so as we move forward into this series that, like Harley said, has kind of been I don't want to say it's been circled or underlined this year, but it's been a pretty a big one that we've been looking forward to now for several months. We talk about with a church, you, you hear a lot of words, a lot of phrases, like, for instance, launch team. You hear the word launch team. Well, when Stuttgart Harvest Church launched 10, 11 years ago, however long that's been now, there was a launch team. There was a group of about 25 or 30 individuals that made up the launch team. And, and we think about those, that term, we think about that uh, kind of that idea of being really more of a, yeah, it's a 21st century term, maybe a late 20th century term, a launch team. It sounds good, it flows good, it kind of fits the culture. But an interesting thing is that Jesus, he grew a launch team. Jesus had a launch team. Jesus had a launch team, uh, chose a launch team, grew a launch team, and that launch team became the church. Uh, so what we're going to do first thing this morning is we're actually going to watch it happen. We're going to watch Jesus choose and grow a launch team. Now, the people that are on Jesus' launch team, they, they, don't, they don't know it. Uh, they, they don't realize the big picture, the scope of what it is that Jesus is calling them to do. They don't really get it. But that's what Jesus is doing. He's growing this launch team. And so we're going to jump into the Gospel of Luke, and we're going to see Jesus hand-picking some of his launch team. Luke chapter 5, we're going to start reading in verse 1. It would normally be on your screen, but this morning you're just going to have to listen. Those of you that are watching right now, it'll be on the bottom of your screen. Uh, and this is from the book of Luke chapter 5. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of, Ga of, of the Sea of Galilee. So Jesus is going to encounter a, a problem here that we're not going to probably ever experience. Uh, it says that as he is preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, Luke says that great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the Word of God. Now, the longer that Jesus taught, the more people showed up. The longer that Jesus spoke, the more people pressed in to hear every word and every detail about what he had to say. We are, for the most part, the opposite. The longer we talk, the more you notice the seats emptying out. You know, it's like, oh, they're going to the bathroom. Uh-oh, oh, I hear the door open. The, you know, and that's okay. That's kind of the experience that we, but Jesus, as he taught, people really listened. And then as we continue on, uh, verse 2, he noticed, speaking of Jesus, Jesus noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and wa were washing 
their nets. Now, you know what? I think this is interesting, kind of in the story that Luke is telling here, the real story that actually happened. But so it looks like setting us up a little bit because he just says there were these two boats because the fishermen that manned the boats, they weren't, they weren't around. And we really aren't given the details yet of who Luke is talking about. And so there's these boats, and they're sitting there because they're empty. The fishermen are washing their nets. And then in verse 3, stepping into one of the boats, because Jesus, he can do that kind of stuff. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon. Okay, that may not ring a bell just yet. It will. Ask Simon, its owner, so the owner of the boat, to push it out into the water. Now, Jesus knows exactly who he's talking to when he's talking to Simon. He's talking to Simon the fisherman. This is not Simon the scholar. This is not Simon the wealthy. This is not Simon the noble. This is probably Simon the illiterate. Simon was probably, he probably could not read. He probably could not write. Uh, he was a fisherman. That's, that's what he was. That is how Simon would have identified himself. You would have walked up to Simon and said, hey, man, who are you? What do you do? What are you about? He would have said, well, I fish. I'm a fisherman. This is a guy with rough hands. This is a guy with a net. This is a guy with a boat. This is Simon the Ordinary. But Jesus knew exactly who Simon was. When I signed up to be a part of this journey at Stuttgart Harvest Church 10 or so years ago, uh, to be on this, again, that word, that launch team, um, I was I was called a school teacher. That's, that's, that's what I did. I taught school. And um, God knew exactly who I was. I was called a school teacher. And at this very moment in the narrative, this very moment in the story, Jesus knows, um, in our story, Jesus knows exactly who we are. He knows exactly how we identify ourselves. And, and, and he knew that you were going to be in this room on July the 5th, 2020. He knew that you were going to be watching on Facebook or on YouTube on July the 5th, 2020. He knew that was going to happen. In fact, to take it a step further, it was actually a part of the plan. It was a part of the plan for, for you and 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 for you guys that are watching us right now. It was a part of his plan for us all to be invited into it. And I think he is asking at this very moment, he's asking, yes, you, and you, and you. He's asking you online, you right there. Is that your boat? Is that your horse? Is that your tractor? Is that your motorcycle? Is that your bat? If you're a baseball player, is that, is whatever that is that you have, he's asking, is that yours? And will you trust me? Will you take what you have, no matter how little that you think it might be, will you take what you have and all that you are, and will you join me, Jesus says? Will you push away? From the shore. It's kind of like Jesus is giving Simon, who we later learn is Simon Peter, it's like he's giving him a series of tests to see, can you, will you be a part of my launch team? And here's the first test that Jesus gives Simon Peter. It's this, will you notice a problem and come toward the problem 
instead of just ignoring it or instead of walking away? And test number one, Simon Peter passed. And really at Stuttgart Harvest Church, that's the same thing that, that we need as well. I mean, we just need for us to be able to accomplish our vision. We just need a team of people who notice a problem and see an opportunity. Instead of ignoring a problem, instead of thinking, ah, you know, somebody else is going to take care of, of that issue. Instead of noticing the problem and saying someone else is going to, you know, maybe, maybe Harley. Hey, we'll call Harley. We'll, we'll call Cole. We'll call one of those guys. You know, they, they need to know about it or, or they need to do something about it. Instead of that, instead of noticing someone struggling with something, and, and, and just saying, ah, that's, a, that's, a, that's a problem that I, I recognize, I identify, but I'm going to step beyond it. Instead, just like with Simon Peter, Jesus had a problem. The crowd was about to push him in the water. <laughs> he had a literal problem. He was about to go in the water. And he said, I need some help. I need you to give me that thing that you most closely identify with, your boat. Push it out to the ship. Just push it out. You don't know who I am. Just push it out. Stuttgart Harvest Church needs the same thing. We need a team of people who notice a problem, sees it as an opportunity, uh, and they walk toward it. They walk toward it to take care of it. So test one for Simon Peter, he passes. He does it. Simon Peter pushes away from the shore with Jesus on the boat. I mean, how cool is that, right? He has, and think about it. He has no clue what's coming. I mean, we read these stories, and it's almost like we read them from a perspective where we kind of know the end of the, of the book. You know, we know the last chapter, so we know what Peter is going to experience in his, uh, uh, his life, his journey of following Jesus. But at this moment, when Jesus says, push the boat away from the shore, I need, to, I, I, I need you right now, Peter has no clue what's coming. He, he just knows, okay. This guy needs some help. I'm going to help him out. Uh, and we jump back into the text, Luke chapter 5. It says, so speaking of Jesus, he sat in the boat and he taught the crowds from there. Real simple. He just took something that Peter had, a tangible item Peter had that he identified with, and he used it. He used it. And in verse 4 it says, when he had finished speaking, when Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. And then Peter replies, master, Look, I'm going to kind of, I'll read it, but kind of paraphrasing. He says, we worked hard all night and didn't catch a thing. So Peter's first response, and usually you did get Peter's first response. That was typical. Peter would give you his gut reaction every single time. He's like, Jesus, look, listen, I know you're, you're a teacher. You're, a, you're, you're, a, you're something. I don't exactly know what you are yet, but you're something special. You really don't know what you're talking about. Okay, look, man, we have worked all night long trying to catch fish. This is who we are. I mean, look, man, you're a teacher. I'm a, I'm a fisherman. I worked all night long. I'm exhausted. We are so tired. We have been working and working hard. You're not a fisherman. You don't understand this. Um, this is all I have, man. This is me. I've got nets. I've got boats, and I've got rough hands. I am a fisherman. Jesus, you don't know. Um, I know what I'm doing. We did it all night long. And nothing happened, right? You know, obviously, you don't know this, but right now, apparently, in this location, this is not the time, it's not the place, because Jesus, the fish, they ain't biting. Maybe they will bite later, but right now, Jesus, going back out and throwing our nets out in the, out in the sea will do us no good, because they ain't biting right yeah. now. 
<laughs> and we tend to do the very same thing today with Jesus. We're like, listen, Jesus, I mean, th this isn't going to work. You know, H how this is being organized, how it's being executed, it's not going to work. I don't have time to be involved in what the church is doing. I don't have time. Have you seen my schedule, Jesus? You know, I work all week long, and then my weekends already for the rest of the summer are full. They are booked. And Jesus, listen, this might be a good thing. Yeah, yeah, but, but obviously, Jesus, you haven't noticed I'm pretty booked here. And that's what Simon Peter was saying. Jesus, we have been busy all night long. We've been up. Let's pause for just a moment. Hit the giant pause button because there's a giant elephant in the room. Not me. That's a second elephant. The giant elephant in the room. Listen, don't, don't you think that Jesus knows what you have been fishing for? Don't you think that Jesus knows how long you've been fishing? So Jesus knows who you are. And Jesus knows exactly what we have been fishing for in each of our lives. And friends, if you're anything like me, then you've been fishing for normal. You just want to feel okay about who you are. You've been fishing for relationships, for for someone to make you feel special, to make you feel wanted. Maybe you've been fishing for a job that will finally make you feel worthy. Or fishing for something that might help you forget some pain. Or maybe fishing for some control in your life so that you don't have to feel like a failure again. My friends, Jesus knows exactly what we have been fishing for. And Jesus knows exactly, precisely where we have been fishing for that. And Jesus knows how long that we've been fishing for it. So Peter's first reaction, his gut response to Jesus when Jesus says, hey, I want you to go and I want you to fish out there right now at this moment, his first reaction is, eh, done it, don't have time, already done it, we're exhausted, it doesn't work, you don't know. But apparently Peter quickly relents, and according to Luke, it, he says to Jesus, after he says, eh, I don't know, he says, but, okay, if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. If, if you say so, if you, if you really want me to do it, Okay, I don't think it's a good idea. I don't think it's going to bring anything. I don't think anything good's going to come out of this. I mean, after all, we've been fishing in that spot all night long and have literally caught nothing. But if you want me to do it, okay, I'll go back out there one more time. Simon Peter almost talks himself out of it. Almost. But he stops. This isn't in the script. I'm going I'm to throw this out there. Think about if he wouldn't have relented. I mean, think about how the world is so different if in that moment Simon Peter goes, 
you know what, Jesus? No, nah, not going to do it. I, I, don't, I don't see it. Uh, it's, there's no point. We've been doing it all night. We've been working. I don't like what you're telling me to do. It doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't fit in my worldview. It's just not quite in line with the plan that I have. If Simon Peter doesn't relent and say, but if you say so, I'll do it. How different could the world be? Now, would Jesus have just stepped over to the next guy and, and, and accomplished the same? I, I, obviously, I'm not saying that he wouldn't have, but think about how Peter's life would have changed. Yeah, think about what Peter would have missed. Right. What would he wow. have missed? So he almost talks himself out of it, but he doesn't. He says, okay, if you say so, I'll do it. I'll go fish out there, even though I don't think it's going to accomplish anything. So Peter, he passes the second test. He passes the second test to be a part of Jesus' launch team. The second test that Jesus gives Simon Peter is really very simple. Can you follow directions? And can you follow those directions precisely even when they don't make sense? Even when I, you've been fishing out there all night long. I'm not a fisherman. You are. And I'm telling you to go back out there. Can you follow directions precisely, Simon? And he does. And he drops his net into the deep water. And this is what Luke tells us. And it says, he, he says that at this time, now remember, they've been fishing all night long. This time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, which their partners, we're going to be introduced to them here in just a minute, their partners in from the other boat. And soon, both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. So it was pretty, pretty serious. Verse 8, when Simon Peter realized what had happened, like, whoa, okay, this guy's legit. When he realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please forgive me. Please, excuse me, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. Wow. I mean, this is Peter. This is the guy who is going to, you know, almost single-handedly from a, human, uh, from, a, from a humanity perspective build an entire church with a, a couple of other individuals. This is Peter, and his words are, I am too much of a sinner to be around you. I mean, does Jesus really know who we are? Does he really, really know who I am, what I think, what goes on in the deepest parts of my heart that nobody knows about? You guys have no idea. My wife is in the room right now. She doesn't know what's happening really down in there deep. And I think about that, Cole. I think, how can he know or he wouldn't love he me. He wouldn't. There's no way that he would invite me to be a part of his launch team. There's but, no way. But he does. But he does. Does Jesus really know who we are? Because we're broken. I am broken. I am broken in my mind at times beyond fixable. Does Jesus know how broken I really am? Does Jesus know how broken we really are? Because let's face it. And I'm not, this is not a newsflash. I have sinned. I've messed up. I have missed the mark. I have missed the mark of God's truth. I've missed God's best in my life and in my relationships, in my relationships with his creation and his relationship with him in so many, so many examples. I could stand up here for, uh, for all morning long and explain times where I have chosen my own way. And as a result, man, I missed it. I, I missed the mark. But here's the cool thing. We may have missed God's best in every single area of our life because we've, we've chosen our own way, because, because we're broken. But we are beginning to realize you can't fix yourself. I, I can't fix myself. 
I can't do it. I tried. I mean, let's face it. I mean, I'm not asking for a show of hands by any stretch of the imagination, but just in your, in your heart, in your mind, think about, answer that question. How many times have you tried on your own to fix yourself? I mean, I know I have. You know, you've, you've had that conversation with yourself, and you said, I'm, 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 today is the day. I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to respond that way again. I'm not, you know, whatever. I mean, you're, you're, you understand your experience. I understand mine. How many times have I said, I am going to fix myself? And I can't do it. I realize I can't fix myself. And that leads us really to test three of this being a part of Jesus' launch team. Can we see who we are, which we've already, I, I hope, clarified? We're broken. We're messy, all of us. We're messy. We're, we're broken. We can't fix ourselves. Can we see who we are in light of who Jesus is? Because on my own, for me personally, I'm broken. I'm unfixable. Who am I in light of who Jesus is? Can, can I drop, just like Simon Peter did, can I drop to my knees before Jesus and say, man, I, I'm, you, you got to get out of here, Jesus, because I am unworthy can I realize that about myself? And then Simon Peter passes test number three, because as we know, Jesus didn't leave. He didn't walk away. He didn't say, you know what, Simon, you're right. You're just an illiterate fisherman. What am I doing in your presence? He said, no, I'm going to do something pretty awesome as a result of you passing these tests. And we jump back into Luke one more time. This is verse 9. For he was all struck by the number of fish that he had caught. So Peter's looking at it in a very tangible way. He's like, wow, we've caught all these fish. All these fish that they had caught as, as were the others with him. Well, who are they? His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee were, Zebedee, were also amazed. And Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. And he changes their vision. He changes their direction. They identified as fishermen. They, If you would have asked Peter, James and John, who are you? They would have said, we catch fish. Fish, 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 fish. We catch fish, you know. Jesus, in one statement, is going to change their direction. He's going to change their vision. He says, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, after they had caught all these fish, as soon as they landed, they left everything, everything they had known, their fish, their boats, their nets, everything. They left it. And they followed Jesus. Yeah. And the significance of that is they left everything that they thought defined them, that they thought made them who they were. And they could leave those things because in that moment they knew, they knew whose they were. They were now his. And they were going to be made new somehow. By him. And what Jesus offered them in that moment was friendship to the sinner. But he offered so much more. They would learn that he was going to offer them eternal life, salvation through the forgiveness of those very sins. And they knew. Jesus found each one of them as a hopeless sinner. But Jesus was not going to leave them the same way that he found them. Jesus was going to change them if they would just simply follow closely to Jesus. 
And Jesus was starting this whole thing with them. And he didn't start by giving them all new names. That's not how he started. He didn't start by giving them an all new look or not by giving them a list of sins to immediately stop and a list of habits for them to begin right now. That's he not how they started. He just changed their direction. Yeah. He just changed their direction. He gave yeah. them a new purpose. He, he gave them a new life plan. You were fishing for fish. Now you're fishing for people. And they got up. They dropped the only life that they had ever known. And they follow Jesus. And the call that Jesus has on my life and on our lives watching and in this room, it's really no different. Who are we? Who are we? If we're following, if we're following Jesus, then all we are sinners saved by grace. That's it. I'm still, I still, I still mess up. I'm still broken. I'm still muddy. I'm still messy. I'm just a sinner who's been saved by grace. And, and now we're called to prove who's we really are by standing up and by following him, by joining his launch team. It's like what Peter, James, and John experienced on the, the shore of the Sea of Galilee. We're called to join Jesus' launch team to change the world. And, and what are we supposed to do? What's the purpose? Why are we doing it? Fishing for people. It hasn't changed 2,000 years, and the call hasn't changed. Fish for people. And what will the result be? The result will be people dropping what they have been fishing for, dropping what they have been holding on to, dropping what really they have known up to this point about themselves and about the world and their relationships, dropping all of that and simply following Jesus. And that's the very same call that Jesus has for us today, this very moment, for each one of us, if you're a follower of Jesus. That's the call, dropping what we have been fishing for and dropping what we've been fishing with and following him. And the result, as Cole said, changing lives. God has given Stuttgart Harvest Church one single purpose. And our purpose that we have felt called to from the very beginning when those streams were running very, very, very clear. One single purpose. That's what he's called us to. Changing lives by loving the Father, family, and friends. And that makes Jesus happy. And we want to make Jesus happy. That's our purpose. Let me say it again. Changing lives... By loving the Father, family, and friends, that makes Jesus happy. And we want to make Jesus happy. And we're inviting you. We're inviting you to join us on this mission. One purpose. Focus. Let's give you a picture of what that future will look like. So Cole kind of described for us that future if we'll do this. Jesus spent, and this is... This is so cool to really put it into this very practical statement because it connects so closely to what we're talking about as Stuttgart Harvest Church this morning. Jesus spent about three years training and preparing about 11 individuals, 11 individuals and, and, and a handful of other people. He spent three years training them and preparing them as his launch team. And the very last thing that Jesus says to them 
uh, we're going we're to look at. It, it's in the book of Matthew. It's in the Gospel of Matthew. And this really the very last thing that Jesus says while he's on earth. This is it. He, it's, this is kind of the end of his earthly ministry. This is after his death, burial, resurrection. He's getting ready to ascend back into heaven. And as he's leaving, he's basically, it's like he's saying, hey man, I've, I've been with you guys for three years. I've given you everything you need. You are prepared. You are trained. You are ready to go. And this is what he says in Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20. He says, it says that Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And that was it. Eleven individuals plus a handful more, three years preparation, training, and Jesus' last words were, go and make followers of, of me. And that's exactly what Jesus says to anybody who is connected with Stuttgart Harvest Church. That's what our future, that's what it's going to look like if we join his launch team, this launch team that we're talking about. And, and, and maybe launch team is not the best word to use this morning because we've, we're already launched. This Stuttgart Harvest Church already exists, but we also have a launch team that's preparing for Malvern, and it really never changes. The attitude of a launch team never changes. It's the and, exact in a same. Sense we're relaunching. We're relaunching. Because of COVID. Yeah. It's, a, it's kind of a fresh start. We're invited to be part of the very same future that Jesus invited these individuals to be a part of 2,000 years ago. Every person around you is a possible friendship, and every friendship is a possible life change. And the day's going to come where we are baptizing people every single week right there. Every week we're going to be baptizing people. The day's going to come where our small groups are so full and there's so many of them that we're not going to, they're going to burst out of this building. We're not going to be meeting, we're going to be meeting in, in homes and in, and in restaurants. The, the day's coming and it's coming quickly. Yeah, the day's going to be here where there will be so many lives gathering here to worship together on Sundays, lives that have been changed and lives that are in the process of changing and lives who are just hoping, just hoping that God might change them. So many in this place that the facility won't be able to contain them. We know there are literally thousands of people within one mile of this building People who are at home right now and not online worshiping with us. People who are being smothered by the problems of life. And Jesus wants to take what we have plus our imperfect lives and he wants to launch us into their lives so that we can walk them to the foot of the cross where they can meet their Savior. The day's going to come when we don't just have people doing this in Stuttgart. We're going to have people doing this in other places as well. We, we talked about Malvern. That's where it's going to begin. But we don't know where it's going to go right. from there. It's going to go from Stuttgart. It's going to go all over, all together. Yeah. And you know, let me ask you this. If you feel comfortable enough to admit it, 
either raise your hand, even if even our friends at home right now, either raise your hand or nod your head, has your life changed at all? Has it changed? Me too. Has it changed in any way? Has God used Stuttgart Harvest Church as a change agent in your life? And the answer for the vast majority of us is yes. And you know what? Jesus has even greater things in store using your life and what he has passed through your life. He has even greater things than these. Story after story after story. All of lives that are learning how to submit to God. And God is in the process, will be in the process of making forever changes in them. It'll be so amazing as all of us will be at different places in our own journey with Jesus. But we are all taking steps in the same direction and making progress together. When times are tough, like now, as we are kind of starting over because of COVID, we will, in those tough times, still be headed there toward that clear vision that God has given us. How did Jesus fish? He served. That's how. That's how he fished. That's where we got the name for this series. Hashtag you before me. Jesus said, I came to serve. Here's how he worded it in Matthew chapter 20. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but... So Jesus, God himself, came not to be served, but to serve others. And then he said the ultimate how, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And serving is how he teaches us to fish as well. That's how he does it. So if our vision is this, that we are changing lives by loving the Father, family, and friends, and that makes Jesus smile, and we want to make Jesus smile, if that is the vision where we are headed, then here's a step for all of us today, at home, online, and all of us in the theater this morning. Here's a step for us. We all have neighbors. We all have neighbors, some of whom are not active in any church. And by active, I mean if you're active in church, you're there about at least twice a month. And we all have friends and neighbors around us who are not active in church. And I'm going to ask you, at every seat, oh, I put them in my pocket, at every seat, um, I have placed a, a, a two of these cards, and that's not nearly enough, I know. But there's two of these cards, and we're going to ask you this week to love your neighbors this way. We're just asking you to join us in this process. Will you take two of these cards, and as you leave today, if you need more cards, most of us will, just go to a place where somebody was not sitting and grab those cards. There'll be two more there. Take them with you. Take as many as you need. One for each neighbor. 
And will you simply, on the back of that card, will you write down where it says, my name is, will you put your real name? (laughs) And where it says, my number is, will you put your real phone number? Again, it's going to your neighbor. And then tell them where you live, just in case that they don't know you very well. Tell them where you live. Yeah, that's really me. I live at blah, 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 blah. Only actually put your address. And then if you'll read that card, it basically just says this. Listen, these are tough times. And if you're going through something tough, I'm available. You can call me or you can text me. I'll pray for you. I'll encourage you. If, if you placed an order at, at Walmart for pickup and you can't get there, call me. I will do my best to go pick that up for you. If there's some essential items you ran out of this week and you can't get out because you're struggling, give me a holler. I will do my best to figure something out and to help. Will you begin to unite with us as a church as we make a difference starting on the street on which you live? Will you join us? Friends online, we haven't forgot about you. On the bottom of uh, your worship guide, the online worship guide, I've got this card there in a JPEG format. All you have to do, I put directions on what to do. Save as, then print it as many times as you need and fill it out and take it. And if you are sheltering in place at home, that's okay. You can fill it out and you can knock on the door. You can stick it in the, the door and knock and run. It's okay, they'll understand. You can even write that on there. I'm sheltering in place, but I'll do my best to help you. And just here's my information. You can drop it off in their driveway. If they do need something, you don't have... There there are ways for all of us to do this and love our neighbors. That's the beginning to launch our lives into their lives. Because we are changing lives by loving the Father, family, and friends. And it makes Jesus smile. And we, as a church, want to make Jesus smile. And if you'll do this, we're asking you to take one more step. Because we have no way to know what's happening around you. And you have no way to know what's happening around me. So, if you're on Facebook or you're on Instagram... Would you use the hashtag, hashtag you before me? No spaces or it won't do it right. Hashtag you before me. A second hashtag, Stuttgart Harvest Church. No spaces. Hashtag you before me. Hashtag Stuttgart Harvest Church. All on the same post. And then describe what happened. Don't give names that that might... Just tell us what happened. Tell us how you felt about it. Tell us what went on for you as you were placing them before you. Hashtag you before me. Will you share your story? That's the only way we'll know what's happening. I'm going to share mine. Will you share yours? I hope you will. And all I have left to say is this. Let's go do it. Let's go do it. That's what we need to do. Listen, I I understand. I I understand that there will be some folks who say, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus, but they're going to flatly refuse to humble themselves and to fish like this. 
somehow a, a sense of arrogance will rise up and a sense of rebellion will rise up and they will say in their heart and in their mind, I will love you, Jesus, I will, but I won't love you like this. I don't have to love you like this, Jesus. I'll love you my way. Okay, okay. We're not going to force you. We're not going to force you or try to force you to do this. We're simply going to find the people who are willing to love Jesus like this. And we're going to run this race with them. Do you know what? Do you know that Jesus is going to give you and me one day a final exam? A final test? I'm going to give you the final test. I'm going to let you know what it is because he let us know what it was in our work. He didn't want us to be surprised by this final exam, that last moment we would stand before him in such a critical time. He told us what it was. Two questions. I'm going to share them with you because I don't want you to be surprised either. He's let us know this long before we will ever have to stand before him. Are you ready? Here it is. Question one, what have you done with Jesus? That's the first question. If you fail that question, exam over. If you pass that question, here's the second question. The second question on the final. What have you done with the resources that you were given in life? You know, all the kings and queens of history, they sent their subjects, their people out to die for them. I only know of one single king who ever decided to go out alone and to die for his people alone, and that was King Jesus, and he came to serve. King Jesus said to all of the world, I am showing you how. Now, go serve like me. Serve them all the way to the cross of Jesus where their lives can be changed forever. Let's pray. Jesus, you told your launch team to not be afraid that from now on they would be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything, Jesus. And in that moment, they followed you. And we want to be like them, Jesus. We want to drop everything and follow you. You reminded us that for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. And Jesus, we want to serve others all the way to your cross. You've called us to a purpose, and we are changing lives by loving the Father and family and friends, and that makes you smile, Jesus, and we desire to make you smile. And since all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to you, you can now send us out to go and to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we can teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that you have given us. And we can be sure of this, Jesus. You are with us always, even to the very end of the age. Amen.